23rd of October 2002, two weeks before my free home trial on the farm was to begin. A bushfire blasted everything apart. At sunset, I drove up the hill to Jen's house. She sat in the passenger seat, shoulders hunched. As I stared, I searched out her hand, brought it to my lips, and held it there, wishing I could kiss away the pain of this loss. Usually, at the particular point, point on the rutted driveway where the car demands another gear, the oasis appeared amid the spotty gum trees. Usually, my heart lurched at the sight of Jen sitting on a log beside a bonfire. This time, as the truck topped that rise, russet leaves crinkled on black trees and twisted tin arched over the ruins of the mud brick walls. The high ceilinged barn with the sulky hanging from the roof was gone too. Stables gone, outdoor bathroom gone, Machinery shed gone. Gone too were the Cadistaman bushes and palms, the pink bougainvillea and wild rosemary, the crucifix orchids and citrus trees. Only the blue plastic clothes heads dangled from the wire limbs of the hill's hoist. Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast, sponsored by Pantera Press. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Welcome back to the Good Reading Podcast. I'm Erin Christie, and today we're joined by Hayley Katzen, whose new memoir, Untethered, explores the concept of belonging, mostly while living on an isolated property in a small country community. I spoke to Haley about a range of her life experiences, including her recent involvement in the New South Wales bushfires at the start of 2020. Haley, thank you for joining us today. That excerpt was about uh, losing Jen's property in 2002 to a bushfire, um, which is quite pertinent given what we've just lost, you know, during our latest bushfire season. So I wanted to know how you guys went during that season on the farm up in Yunga. We were really lucky this time. Um, we didn't lose our house. We lost, you know, we lost a lot of infrastructure, a lot of water infrastructure, all our, you know, water to the house and our firefighting pump and all our water for our stock, all those pumps and pipes and that sort of thing. Um, and we've got our buildings with building materials and that sort of thing. But Jen and I were here the day of this fire. It hit us in... This time it was the beginning of October um, when it hit us and Jen and I were at home. To be honest, if it had been a a day later, if it had been the Wednesday, we would have been away because I was having chemotherapy in in a a town uh, 120 k's away. But we were at home, so we were able to defend it. Um, Jen had seen a a pillar of smoke when she was out working and we'd got ready and while we were getting ready we got a call you know too late to leave so we were here and we we fought it basically it was a it was a very big experience Erin um yeah I wasn't terribly well and you know we've we've learned a lot in the years since the fire in 2002 we've joined we're both active members of our fire brigade we've both had training we've both been to lots of fires Jen particularly Mm. um and so we've learned a and we've got a good asset protection zone around the house and but even that um, doesn't always work and you know we lost our really good source of firefighting um, 
water because the pump burned and so then we were on buckets. So, you know, it's, it's a big story, but we were really lucky. Our neighbour, Terry, who I write about in the book, he's um, the chap who, he and I were both, both had a grand design of a project, me a novel and he building a house and <laughs> I compared two processes. Terry lost his house on that oh. day in October you know last year and that's um devastating after you know years and years and years of dedication and losses um that come when you dedicate to a big project so yeah terry wasn't lucky and a number of other people in our area weren't lucky there were two deaths not far from us and yeah it was a devastating time and it still has its ramifications at this point you know we're only we did a big fundraising drive and our community really went to try and help ourselves recover. So we've had a music festival in, you know, in November and we raised a whole lot of money and we're only now at that point where that money is hopefully going to be distributed to the people who lost everything. Um, so, yeah, big, big process, really. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting for us having the October 2002 fires as a, you know, we'd had an experience of this before. And that in ways is helpful and in ways it's quite traumatising. Mm, for sure. Um, as members of the RFS, were you sort of helping out fighting fires over the, the whole summer or was it just sort of in October? No, no, look, we've had a, we had a terrible year last year with fire. Um, back in February, we were in the middle of a very, very bad drought mm. and we'd actually just got back to the farm and we just pulled a cow from a dam that had gone dry and we got a call to go to a fire and that was when um, a big fire hit the drake area so that was kind of how our year started it's unheard of for us to have fires at that time of year yeah. our fire season is normally sort of october onwards mm. but it's been getting creeping earlier and earlier in 2018 it actually started in august um which is way too early for us um so yeah we, we started having fires back in February, and we'd, we'd been one of the first responders, our crew, at this big fire, and that was that was a very, very big week or two of fighting fire, and then and there were a lot of losses in that fire too, and then um, the big Long Gully fire, which was around our area in uh, September, August, September, it hit Ewingar at the beginning of September as well, mm. and then it was houses were saved and bulldozer lines were put in backburns were put in and then unfortunately it hit us again in october mm. so yeah, yeah it's been a, it was a terrible year of fire and I, I kind of worry now what's going to happen for our next season because you know bizarrely we had a flood in february of course you know <laughs> drought fire flood yep. and now the paddocks are green and the, gra- the grass is sort of thigh high Mm. And, you know, most of us have had to sell our stock um, <laughs> because of the drought and then the fire. So, um, yeah, I'm wondering what the next fire season is going to be like for everyone in the country. Do you hope that given the season we've just had and the experiences you had sort of in 2002, that, you know, things will improve in terms of our response, um, whether that's government-based or anything else along those lines? Are you hoping it'll be different? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think climate change is a major issue and, you know, we definitely have seen uh, temperatures hot up and, you know, certainly that fire season becoming so long is a real, real problem for us. Mm. So, you know, I desperately hope governments will do something. Um, And I think community is 
you know, really trying to push government to do things because I think for those of us who know it on the ground, everybody who lives in the country is painfully aware of it. Mm. Um, so it needs to change. Um, who knows what COVID-19 is going to do to all of that as well. I mean, I think, you know, the reduction in emissions um, is probably the only silver lining in something which is um, killing people and devastating whole communities. Definitely. Um, so I'll go to the book now. I understand you didn't first set out to write a memoir. So did you want to take us through how you ended up getting to that point? So I, my, my former um, work was in law. I guess in law, I always wrote a lot. That was what I did. Um, and then when I decided to stop doing law and move to a more creative life, I initially acted and then... Um, Shifted from that to writing a play. So I've sort of flirted with all sorts of forms of writing in my life. Um, You know, I went from writing the play after the play was produced, I came to live on the farm, and I then started, I thought, oh, I can write a novel. That's what I'll do when I live in the bush, a bit like, you know, my hero in um, my brilliant career. Um, (laughs) But it wasn't that easy. So I realized I needed to learn how to do, how to what a plot was, how, how story worked. And so I started with short story and I um, worked in short story for a number of years and I loved that form. Yep. Um, and then, you know, that I got told by one publisher if I wanted to publish a book, I needed to write a novel. So unfortunately I took that advice as though that was the, um, the reason for writing, which I've subsequently learned is certainly not the case. Um, and I wrote a novel, which really was a tough story for me. I, I do prefer the short form. Um, mm. The novel, you know, was although it was given encouraging feedback, I just didn't have it in me to go back to the drawing board after a couple of years of working on it. Yeah. And I also realised the novel was really, um, was kind of a, a, a mask for autobiography and for some of the feelings and thoughts that were really pinching at me and the things I was trying to make sense of inside myself. So I quit that and got depressed. <laughs> and a friend and also Peter Bishop from Varuna um, suggested I try a nonfiction. So mm. I sort of you know, fiddled around with that and wrote what I call a kind of a therapeutic memoir mm. just for myself. And then I enrolled in a master's in fine arts and um, I wasn't sure whether to go fiction or non-fiction and fortunately I did take the fiction stream and that introduced me to the personal essay, to the essay form and that's what I've just completely fell in love with, the Mm. essay. Um, You know, it gives you an opportunity to really um, examine something in depth and to look at the subtlety of a theme or an issue and to really delve into it and then expand beyond one's own experience into something more universal. Mm-hmm. And I'm a researcher by training. That's what I loved in law. And that the essay has given me that freedom to research and read and then see how I can integrate that with my own personal story. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I've loved about the essay is that it does have the I in it. Um, you know, my work in law, there was no I. Mm-hmm. There was always, you know, writing with that supposed neutrality and objectivity. Mm-hmm. And I guess in my subsequent writing life I've claimed that I and that everything is subjective we always have a lens so I worked from yep sorry long-winded um (laughs) I worked in essay for a number of years I wrote a number of essays many of which were published 
and I tried to make a collection of essays work, but I just couldn't quite get it to stick um, or find the way to make it, to weave them together. Um, mm. So I shifted, after an editor's advice, I shifted it into memoir. And that's been a great process. I've learned a lot about the structure of story, about the momentum of memoir as opposed to the kind of subtlety and different approach that essay has. Um, and, you know, beginnings and endings are really interesting and I've learned enormously um, through this process of turning this book into memoir. Um, so, yeah, it's really not what I expected, but I guess... That's what the creative process does. It just moves us along in ways we don't really control. Um, and here I am now, very grateful to Ventura Press for taking it on and bringing it to the world for me. Beautiful. Did you find that, because you say that you quite enjoy writing short form, did you find it um, sort of, was it a bit of a process to figure out how long you wanted the memoir to be and how much you wanted it to cover? Um, in terms of making it into a long-form piece? Because I drew on my essays, mm. um, and that was really, that's the spine of the memoir. Mm. Um, it's a lot of the things I've thought about while I've lived on the farm. Um, I did have a, a version of it which started with me um, coming to live in Australia and had quite a lot about my South African life and my life before the farm. Mm. those, you know, sort of six or eight years before I lived here in Australia. Um, and I guess that was that's what I'm talking about in terms of where to begin something is as important as where to end it. So the first version actually began with me arriving in Australia. I was looking at home very much from the point of view of, you know, coming from another homeland to a new country. And so I that was my first beginning. And then I rejigged the memoir to start when I first visit the farm, which is actually Jen's 40th birthday, some 25 years ago. So the book covers a big span. The first ending I had for the book ended the day I drove away from here to go and house sit in Melbourne. I decided I couldn't keep living here anymore. Mm. Um, and that's where I ended the book the first time. And then I went back to the drawing board last February, um, just after I'd actually fought that fire. And I rejigged and I ended, I decided I would end the book in 2017 when I came back to the farm after seven months in Melbourne. Um, circumstances drew me back here to be with Jen. Um, mm. And I've been here ever since, obviously. But where one ends the book is equally as challenging as where one begins a book, um, especially yeah. when you're writing your life. Um, mm. Because your lens keeps changing, events keep happening. You know, we've had, I've had an extraordinary um a lot of events in the last two years from my mum's death drought, mm. bushfire, cancer a great deal of things, a best friend's death so you know, mm. where do you end a book and what is going to you know, develop that theme or that spine of the book into something that will resonate for a reader and also will make sense for me as I write course so I think I found for me and I think many readers will find that a central theme of the book appears to be belonging was that always your focus or was that something that you developed as you realized it connected your experiences look I was when I was writing the essays I would you know really a, a big chunk of the book I 
8,000 word essay which was kind of trying to write the story of my coming to live here and my struggle with it. Initially I wrote that just as an essay. So I always knew that belonging was a crucial theme and the search for home and where did I fit was always my my big question and it you know it's no longer drives me in the same way but I think it's a big question for all of us and that desire to belong um, and have somewhere and people us where we really feel ourselves our habitat is right so it's always been a big issue for me but I also wasn't sure if difference was the theme I was writing about so I had these competing themes um, for a while and that's certainly what the essays reveal Mm. Um, some of it's that unfamiliarity for an urban person with a country experience and some of it's the experience of being you know a lesbian in a rural area person in a rural area all those sorts of other things a more academic person rather than someone who's very good manually and practically all those things were what were challenging me over these years of coming to live on the farm with Jen Mm. so you know I wasn't sure if I was writing a love story a book about belonging um or something about difference And, and you know it's been interesting seeing how people have responded to the the person who helped me so much was an editor who paid, Nadine Davidoff, who was just wonderful. And she said to me, it is about belonging, Haley. Nail that. Go with that as your theme. And that was, you know, that was the best advice, really, because then I just went for it and I stopped questioning myself about which direction to go in. Um, I did submit it to um, some publishers before I submitted it to Ventura. And one of the um, publishers read it as a lesbian love story. I felt very strongly, though, that it is primarily a search for belonging and home. So I'm very grateful that that, I think, is how Ventura has seen it as well. Um, Because I guess a book has many threads and many themes. And my book does have a lot of them because there's activism in it. There's bushfire in it. um, There's a a whole lot um, of different episodes in my life, which, you know, I could have expanded any single one of them. Um, which I guess is anybody's story. How do we choose the thread of our lives to focus upon? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I I think the book definitely, yeah, like you say, has so many threads. But I was particularly interested in the idea that it is, in a way, a bit of a love story. Um, You write so much about Jan and your experiences of being together for so long now. Um, Was that ever difficult to write about someone who you live with and are obviously so close to? Oh, my God, it's been fascinating. (laughs) So the the way I've always um, written, even when I was writing stories, is that I would, once I had a draft, I would, over a beer in the evenings, I'd read to Jen. Yep. And then we'd land up having a conversation. So certainly when it came to writing about our lives, um, Mm. those conversations were pretty interesting um, because there's memory, there's interpretation, there are all those things which, you know, when one writes non-fiction, even if one writes about oneself, one is still writing about other people, and that's the enormous ethical challenge of um, So with Jan, it was wonderful, because we did land up having um, challenging, stimulating, and deep conversations, which I think contributed to the development of our relationship, mm. and also to our understanding of each other. Um, there were one or two scenes, um, which you know, she was not happy with and after our conversations I landed up changing those scenes Mm. um, 
or, or, or just putting in lines so that she could feel okay about it too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a revealing book. Um, and Jen did give me carte blanche to write about her and yeah. us. Mm. Um, but the process has always been that we've, I've shown her. I think the poor thing's read this thing a million times. <laughs> 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 I most of it by heart. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting process when it is someone at home. And, you know, she'll say, oh, my God, I learned so many things about you in yep. the process and I think that's what um, some of my friends have said too you know I think we don't always know what's going on for the people we love or we think we know well you know we all have an internal soundtrack which is you know much deeper and more layered than that which we present to the world or even to our nearest and dearest yeah definitely um I think yeah it's <laughs> it's really nice that you you guys were able to sort of go through it together I guess I think that's a really lovely kind of sentiment writing about someone you love so much and um yeah being able to share that with them I really like that um lucky me to get a, you know I got to write about some really awesome people you know to write about Jen to write about the elderly poet Nessie Bell who grew up here yeah you know, she lived in this rural area for like 86 years before she was had to go live in an old age home oh wow and Frankie my neighbor um you know he's an 83 year old man who does his life and you know our worlds are so completely different and I also respect him so enormously yep. for the way he's managed to find contentment in his life mm. so I think you know that's what I've really learned about is all these people who have taught me so much just like this place has taught me so much mm. so to have the people in my community taught me an enormous amount just about how to live really yeah of course I was reading over the book and I noticed there's this bit at the very beginning where you move in with some housemates kind of near where Jen lives but not super close and you say um, you refer to it as it will be a place to belong and that's sort of the first time I think you mentioned belonging and then if you go sort of to the end of the book you discuss um, you've had your time in Melbourne and you come back to um, the community and you sort of say you know your sense of belonging comes down to like what you expect of what you expect it to feel like I suppose and I was just wondering how you feel about that journey from different understandings of belonging um looking back do you think you've sort of mastered it or is there more to learn oh, I think I think there's always more to learn I think um I think what where I've got to and why I feel okay about being on the farm now is I I appreciate that I have got many selves you know I'm I do love to sit around and talk books and social justice and emotional stuff and spiritual stuff and learnings and ideas mm. and I also um, like to be in the bush and I enjoy Friday Hall Night and chatting with whoever's there or being on the at the fire brigade meeting mm. you know every month every second month so I think what I've learned to accept that I've got many sides of myself and that really I'm always going to feel primarily at home inside myself and that's the most important home for me it is inside it's not outside mm. if I'm okay in myself then I can be pretty much anywhere um because I do have many selves so I think um it has been a long journey of thinking that home was based on a homeland first yeah. or perhaps on a family um and, you know the word for home in Hindi I think is 
family. So often that's how we associate home. Mm. But, you know, it, once you migrate, things become less clear. And, yeah. and then, you know, work was always, it's always been my big home. I've always felt very comfortable in it. Having a creative, choosing a creative path unsettled that comfort because you don't get as much affirmation when you're a writer as, you know, when you work in law. Yeah. Um, you don't get as much feedback from the world. But I guess, you know, it's that thing of, you know, for me, places, um, bricks and mortar aren't always what makes me find home. It's been much more about people for me. And so, you know, community. Um, and, you know, at one point when I lived closer to the coast, uh, where I lived was about two hours, two and a half hours from the farm. And that community was a, you know, a very different community from this one. And it was, you know, my community was very lesbian back then, um, as well as university. So I think we look for home in lots of different places, home and belonging. And, you know, mm. for me, I've looked for it in family, in homeland, in place, in even, you know, as a Jewess, um, in that sort of Jewish community. Mm. I've looked for it in work or in texts. I very much look for it in friendships and that sort of community. I've looked for it in social and political movements as an activist. Mm. And, you know, I guess the lesson for me of these years in the bush is that home is much more about what's inside me. Um, and it's, you know, because I feel okay about myself now um, and accepting all my many selves and not feeling apologetic about them, I kind of have a sense now that I can belong in any environment that I'm safe in any place and that I can mould and shape my own life to to be happy wherever I am. Beautiful. That's so profound. I love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my last question is, what do you hope people will take away from this book? Look, I, I guess, I mean, the book is so much about belonging and I think it's such a universal theme. I mm. really do. I think... Even now with COVID-19, we're seeing everybody reaching out to try and connect and um, to form communities in different ways. And I think, you know, it's connections that really matter, not where we come from, what we're interested in or how we look that matters. It's how we connect. And I guess I'm really interested how people respond to this book and whether it it makes them think about their own sense of belonging and connection and what gives them that sense of comfort you know i think we live in a country where you know we've seen so many people held in detention centers um mm. just because they're searching for somewhere to find home we've seen you know aboriginal people dispossessed of their land um and we have a huge migrant history now in australia mm. so i think all of us here have that sense of and that need for belonging and for home Thank you so much for your time today, Haley. It was great to have a chat to you about the book and we wish you best of luck from all of us at Good Reading. We hope the book goes really well for you. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> Lovely to have a chat from the farm with you in where? Out in Sydney somewhere? Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs>